Welcome to the Elijah Fire Podcast, where we jump into issues of today with faith and freedom instead of fear. And now here's your host, Jeff Tharp. Well, hello, everybody. Welcome to Elijah Fire, episode 342. Today is Thursday, November 30th. I am your host for today, Jen Lowen. For those of you who don't know, I'm actually Jeff's older sister, and I am filling in for him for the next couple of days. So welcome. I'm so glad to be here with you guys today. Today's episode is also a numbered episode, which means it will be uploaded to all podcast platforms. Um, I believe within 24 hours is usually how quickly they turn around, which is fantastic. So if you're like me and you love listening to podcasts, please check us out on any of those podcast platforms. And also, if you love the show, please be sure to leave us a review. All right. So without further ado, today's guest is an absolute friend of the show. She's a friend of Jeff. She's a fantastic person. I know you guys all love her. She is the, she's a prophetic voice. She's the founder of Arise Kingdom Ministries. Please join me in welcoming Krista Elisha. These little snowflakes are so cute. I know. Jeff is so creative. I love all the things that he does, you know? That's so cute. Welcome, Krista. It is so great to see you. I have met Krista before, so this is my first time hosting her, second time meeting her. So welcome. It is great to have you. It's great to have you too. I actually just found out that you live in Ohio too. And so I'm, we, again, I was saying backstage, we need to hang out. I think that we totally need to do that. And we need to make Jeff and Lauren righteously jealous so that they will come to Ohio and see us. I have tried so many (laughs) times to the point where I have annoyed them. I am certain I have annoyed them. I love the townships out here. The townships are the cutest thing in the whole wide world. On the West Coast, people on the West Coast, you can confirm this. This is not a thing. Townships are not a thing. And the townships are darling out here. I love it. Have you been to Amish country yet? I have. Oh, I I nearly cried when I went out there because, you know, I'm not sure it's that way where you are, but here in central Ohio, it's pretty flat. Mm -hmm. And I have missed the hills of Oregon. And we decided to go to an Amish Amish farm in the fall. I looked it up online. We went to Amish country and I was crying. I was like, I miss hills. There were like hills everywhere. It reminded me of the Shire, like in Lord of the Rings. Uh Oh, I loved it so much. It's so beautiful. Yeah, the, the, that is really pretty. And then we do have some hills here in Cincinnati. Um, actually, Cincinnati is a really interesting city because it's on seven hills. I did think when I drove through Cincinnati the first time, it reminded me of Portland a lot. The way the houses are built up like onto the cliffside and stuff. And then mm-hmm. it's overlooking that fantastic river. And yeah. It's yeah, it's, it is beautiful. So I, I do love Ohio. I, you know, I've been here my whole life, but it was really fun for me when God, uh, you know, he, he gave me the name of my ministry, Arise Kingdom Ministries. And then he gave me uh, this logo, which is mountains. Right. And I'm like, I've never even seen a mountain before. Um, but you want the mountains to be my logo. So whatever. And then when I actually was able to visit the coast out there and, um, see all the beautiful mountains, it's, it's so interesting when you're driving down the road, like here in Ohio, it's like there's no um, multi-dimensional scenery, but out there. The trees are great, though. The, the big oak trees. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, it is pretty and there are different places, but I think like, I think you're probably, there's an area of Columbus that is like the, it's considered the highest point in, in Ohio. And I remember when I went there to pray, uh, 
I got there and it literally, it, it wasn't even like a, what I would consider a gloriously lofted <laughs> hill. Um, I'm like, this is like the highest elevation in Ohio. This is crazy. So, um, yeah, yeah it's, it's where all the glaciers pushed through everything and flattened yeah. it all out. I mean, it's beautiful. The people out here are wonderful. Honestly, sincerely, the people out here are wonderful, kind, they're funny. Um, y'all drive like insanos <laughs> on yeah. the highways, but That's this is the first time I made up a term. Um, when we first moved out here, people rage honk. Like when they get really mad, they're like, get out of my way. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah. Anyway, it was funny. Oh, my goodness. Ohio's yeah. Funny. No, that happens, especially like in Columbus. That happens a lot. Um, and then Akron, I feel like. So it depends on where you are. Now, <laughs> Indiana, that's like the twilight zone compared to Ohio because they all drive like 10 miles under the speed limit unless they're on the highway. So we got, when we were driving out here, when we were driving out here, we got stuck in Indianapolis in really bad traffic. And that was like, I, I almost cried. It was so bad, like trying to get back on. Cause there was also really bad um, construction on the highways in Indianapolis. And my navigation was trying to keep up with me. And um, yeah, it, that was, that was tough. I'd and have to go back. Cross country driving. <laughs> and you're almost at the end of the line, that would definitely be a stressor, I'm for sure. <laughs> we're like, we're almost to the Ohio border. Yeah. Oh, well, welcome to the heart of it all, girlfriend. I'm Thank so excited you. that you're here. And um, I'm super excited to get to hang out with you. Yeah. And then you'll be able to be so close so you can come to my next Women's Summit. Oh, that would be fun. That would be so fun. We can be princesses together. Oh, please. Yes, please. <laughs> So what do you, what is the Lord giving you for us for today? Yeah. So God has really been speaking to me a lot about uh, the apostolic um, changing of the guard that is, that is taking place right now. Uh, he's also been speaking to me a lot about the, um, about the shifting that we, we all recently felt back in September um, and that we're kind of even right now in this part of the year in like the Selah moment um, or the tension between like the two places, you know what I mean? Yeah. And um, how a lot of people are, are feeling this tension to move into a new place. Um, but God is continuing to give them revelation and giving them vision um, for really the next decade, I believe. And that is because we have we have officially shifted out of the church age and into the kingdom age. Mm -hmm. And um, wow. the kingdom age. So the the way that the and now I want to say this and and say it in a way where there it's so honorable. You know, um, I'm not. I love the local church. Um, I love. I love the bride and, and I honor the past moves of God and, and the way that God blessed, um, you know, the different eras of the Ecclesia or the governing body, um, changing and maturing mm -hmm. to get us to this point. Um, but what has happened greatly with the Western church model is that it has turned into a, um, 
into a, an organization when it was always supposed to be an organism. Hmm. Um, in many cases, denominations, uh, rather than bringing people together, it has uh, torn us apart and it has been a really bad witness to the world, you know, to the lost mm -hmm. because the, they only see one church. So when we get yeah. called hypocrites and, and we're accused of, you know, contradicting uh, scripture and things like that, it's because they're looking at one overarching picture of the bride, which is what we're supposed to be. Mm -hmm. um, and they're seeing the conflicts and the differences of opinion. Yeah. And they probably don't even see denominations like within the church. Like we understand denominations and all that. I think people on the outside, outside watching us are, they don't get it. They don't know. They yeah. Just conflict. Yeah, they, exactly. And, and what that looks like is a, you know, a toxic dysfunctional family. <laughs> um, and this kingdom age, it's, it's moving away from, the ritualistic and religious systems that denominations have established to build a proverbial tower of Babel to get us closer to God. Um, that thing has been torn down. God's judgment has come on that. We we've, we've seen that since 2020, right? Mm -hmm. And and now the um the emphasis is going to be on the family of God because the kingdom is about family. It's about a king um and his kingdom and the advancement of that kingdom through the mass adoption of sons and daughters, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Um and about regions and cities uh, becoming cities on a hill that cannot be hidden and are being infiltrated from the bottom up with kingdom values. Um, and so with that, um, you know, whenever God is building a new thing, there has to be the apostolic anointing to come mm -hmm. in um, yeah. and to clear away the rubble um, and to begin to lay foundation for, for the new thing. And so that is really what the Lord is doing. I feel like, um, and, and I have this whole word that God gave me in a download that I'm going to break down uh, today over the broadcast, but specifically for, you know, I feel like for me, uh, just personally, a lot of what God does with prophets and prophetic people is um, we are like the pioneers or the forerunners. So we're catching the thing like a year or months before God's doing it in the body. Yeah. Um, and so I, I feel like for myself personally, this uh, last season has been, um, God has been really solidifying like my identity as an apostolic prophet mm -hmm. um and the warfare that uh many of us have been going through that are the ones that are stepping in 
behind some of the the generals that are you know either stepping down or mm-hmm. are you know moving on to glory or whatever mm-hmm. those of us that are coming up behind them now the the changing of the guard is that we're realizing that all the warfare we went through was actually the preparation um for us to be able to carry um the weight of the next thing wow um and so i've i've really felt like too that there have and this is like almost like a suddenly thing like maybe people have felt like they were apostolic um but they didn't really understand why or what the office of a prophet was or what the the behavior um or the characteristics of an apostolic person are um and it's funny because I've done like a ton of studies and still did not like realize like, oh yeah, like I can relate to this a lot. Wow. Um, and even understanding like the five fold offices, uh, I really feel like moving forward, you know, in the church age, one of the big things with like teaching on the fivefold offices was it really wasn't taught. And it, it yeah. churches have been primarily ran by the pastor or the shepherd. And that's just not biblical. Um, there are actually no New Testament references to any ecclesia or governmental body, any church being planted by a pastor. They were all planted by an apostle. Interesting. Okay. Um, so there is this like this return to the ancient paths, right? This return yeah. to, okay, well, you know, Ephesians 4, uh, scripture says that Jesus ascended mm-hmm. and then gifts were given to men. And then it lists the the fivefold offices of the apostle, the prophet, the um, the evangelist, the, the teacher and the pastor, the shepherd. Mm-hmm. And it says that, um, and they were given in the measure of Christ, wow. right? Mm-hmm. So, so what that means is that men were God gave the church uh, not just spiritual gifts through the Holy yeah. Spirit, but He also released a grace that is the fullness of His operation, His His mo, the way that that Jesus Himself. Um, advanced God's kingdom on earth, he released a grace on members of the body of Christ to reveal his character and nature, to train and equip the saints for their own works of ministry. Now, are you referencing the Ephesians chapter four? Um, I believe it's verse 16. Yeah. Okay. So in the New Living Translation, one of the things that I loved and I loved about that passage. So yes, it is Ephesians chapter four. This ties into what you were just saying. The reason the fivefold was used all five together is because on in Ephesians chapter four, verse 14, it says, then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. Yes. Now, that is, I to your point, God reestablishing kind of the five, the fivefold working together creates kind of that um, buffer mm-hmm. of 
making sure that people are staying in line with what God's actually doing. You know, it's not just one person, you know, teacher and preacher going off together in one side and then the apostles and the prophets are all in another and they're arguing with each other. And Right. Yeah. Well, really the, it's too much for one person mm-hmm. to carry. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so you're exactly right in what it says. So I, I love the passion translate translation, but Going to verse 11, it says, and he has appointed some with grace to be apostles and some with grace to be prophets, some with grace to be evangelists, some with grace to be pastors, some with grace to be teachers. And their calling is to nurture and prepare all the holy believers to do their own works of ministry. And as they do this, they will enlarge and build up the body of Christ. So bring the body of Christ into maturity. Mm -hmm. Well, what is maturity? So 13, it says these grace ministries will function until we all attain oneness into the faith. That sounds like no denominations Mm -hmm. until we all experience the fullness of what it means to know the son of God. And finally, we become one into a perfect man with the full dimensions of spiritual maturity and fully developed into the abundance of Christ. And then it says, and our immaturity will end. Yeah. And like what you said. So it, it it is the grace gifts that reveal who Jesus is in his fullness. And if we are not receiving from the fivefold ministry, then we are not going to see the full manifestation of who Jesus actually is and and how he lived powerfully as a mature son of God mm-hmm. that was about his father's business and was occupying territory and manifesting his father's kingdom realm mm-hmm. on earth as it is in heaven. Yeah. So the term apostle um, it was a, a a Roman military term who was a person that was sent out from Rome to govern a region that had been occupied by Rome. Mm-hmm. And their job was to um, appoint other leaders that would begin to make the culture of that occupied territory look like heaven. So they would establish marketplace and economy um, people to begin to make the region do business the way that Rome did business. They appointed artisans and sculptures and songwriters and and people that would make the, the mountains of arts and entertainment and media look like Rome. Um, and so when Jesus was using that terminology, he was being very intentional yeah. to say, you are a governing body. I am sending you out. You are apostles. Your job, you 12 here, your job is to go occupy territory and make it look like my father's realm. You make it look like heaven and this is how you do it. Right. Mm. And, and it's not with mere words, but it is with power. Right. Yeah. And so there's a proclamation and there's a demonstration. And then as people come into the faith, as they they receive Jesus and they believe in him and start a dynamic relationship with them, then they begin to influence their own spheres of, um, of society. 
So, you know, me, when I, when I got saved and got baptized in the Holy Spirit, I was a hairdresser. So I am doing hair and Jesus is my best friend. And so if you're going to be my friend and you're going to spend any time with me, you're going to hear about my best friend, Jesus. And Jesus is probably going to tell me things about you when we hang out. And so you're going to have an encounter with Jesus. Well, then you're, you're, you might be a school teacher. You're going to start going to school and your um, attitudes, your values are going to begin to in Christ or begin are going to impact your students. They're going to impact um, the way that you, that you teach um, and, and all sorts of stuff, you know, and then they'll, that you begin to infiltrate and influence the other teachers yeah. in that school system. And you begin to influence the parents that are, you know, that are parenting the students, you know, yeah. and you begin to see you begin to see your life as like a strategic positioning by God to influence these these people. Yeah. Exactly. And this is this is how we fulfill the great commission which Jesus left us with. He said to go into all the nations, all the people groups and um to baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit and um, to disciple them, to teach them how to obey the word of the Lord, Mm -hmm. um, all the commands that I have given you to love one another, to be in unity with one another, right. To to obey the law of love essentially, Mm -hmm. um, because there is no law, um, against the law of love. Actually love fulfills the law. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. And so that's how we disciple nations. And here's, here's the big issue. Um, you know, society, has not been discipled because the church has believed a lie um, that our faith is to be a private thing um, that we only have between ourselves and, you know, home and Sunday mornings. And we have vacated um, the marketplace. We have kept silence in in the realms that we do have influence um, for fear of offending somebody or for fear of receiving persecution or being misunderstood or um, not having business. Right. Yeah. Um, and so meanwhile, meanwhile, meanwhile yeah. been discipled through television, music, movies with their, with culture's mindsets, culture's mind thoughts, you know, like right. their ideas. And right. So- and and I know, and that's that's what's what's crazy. And then the other thing that is very frustrating that I've seen too is um, I, I have noticed that people, when they feel called to ministry, um, they automatically assume that if you're called to ministry, you are vacating your career, you're yeah. vacating, you know, what you were doing in culture, you know, secular or whatever your secular mm-hmm. um, involvement to, to do pulpit ministry. And that is foolishness. Um, there, there are people that are called to the mountain of religion, but that's actually, if you look at, if you look at the new Testament, it's so cool. You, you see that all of the guys that Jesus called to, to disciple, um, they called him teacher rabbi. Okay. That he taught doing life with them. They were all blue collar workers. Yep. 
you know, um, then you see Paul, Paul was a tent maker. And then you see his relationship with Priscilla and Aquila. They were also tent makers. Yeah. And the kingdom of heaven was advancing through marketplace ministry. And, and I actually am a very um, firm believer that unless, unless the kingdom impacts the marketplace, mm-hmm. um, then it's not going to impact culture. Um because we separate ourselves yeah. from from the very gates that we're called to occupy. Yeah. Um and so going back to, you know, the the apostolic office and and the this vision that I had about uh these ironclad uh war ox that were that were coming in to to take territories. Um the the big thing that I am seeing um, that, that God just opened my eyes to is the way that because everyone is more comfortable with the pastor, mm-hmm. we have not allowed apostles to be apostles when they are in, um, you know, a, a, a church leadership position. Hmm. Um, we have desired for the apostolic, which they're called to confrontation. If you, when you meet an apostle, you feel like you just stepped onto a military base. Um, they're very passionate about uh, particular issues that the Lord has given them. And there is an urgency for them to, um, to compel you, to rally you to action. Yeah. Um and that is what we need right now. We we have to have that. And and so this is because you realize we maybe you realize, but other people don't. We are in revival right now. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. We are absolutely in revival. And uh, God desires for revival to ignite reformation. But revival will not initiate reformation if the, the the ones who have been revived are not impacting culture. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so even in the commissioning where it says go into, you know, all the nations, right. Mm-hmm. And disciple the nations mm-hmm. and baptize them in the name of the father, the son, and the Holy spirit. That word baptize is a word that uh, tent makers used uh, when they were dip dying tents. And so it's actually um, what it means is for two substances to become so integrated that they cannot be separated. Oh, wow. So what Jesus was saying is go into all the nations. So all the people groups, all the cultures of the world Mm -hmm. and baptize them in the fullness of of my identity, mm-hmm. the fullness of who I am, Father, Son, and Spirit, meaning release the kingdom, bring people into the kingdom through demonstration and proclamation, then teach them who I am mm-hmm. and have them infiltrate the culture in, in such a permeating way that they begin to teach others the higher way of living, even if they don't know Jesus, 
it will impact culture, right? And and people will be naturally taught a better way of doing things, yeah, a, mm-hmm. a blessed way of doing things, right? Yeah. And and to the point where you will not be able to separate the two. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So my kingdom is going to infiltrate like yeast, you know, like when Jesus like was asked mm-hmm. what's the kingdom of heaven like, he said the kingdom of heaven is like a woman who um sowed yeast into a lump of dough mm-hmm. and uh the it rose and and infiltrated the entire batch. Yeah. So so this is this is what the Lord is is on right now is like he's he's calling um an apostolic people yeah that are going to begin to infiltrate culture and they are going to begin to teach nations how to obey the word of the Lord um and they're going to be these, these apostolic oxen. And so I feel like maybe that's a good segue to like, kind of share the word of the Lord that I received. Yes, please. Um, thank you, Jesus. Yeah. And all five working together so that we can see them, you know, so that we can see the fullness of who Jesus is. Yeah. That's the big thing is that if we're not being taught by the fivefold, then we don't see the fullness of how Jesus operated. Right. Um, and it says love is the mark of maturity, right? And yes. And well, and the way I see it too, is every single person, we're all made in God's image. Mm-hmm. He created every single person in his image. Every single person is, and therefore an image bearer of God, of Christ, especially when we've been redeemed, we are then the image bearer of Christ. You bring a different piece, a facet of God revealed and then than I do. Thanks for listening. The Elijah Fire podcast is made possible by donations like yours. To become a partner, visit elijahfire.com slash give. And I bring a different one than you do. And it's, um, I had a dream that illustrated this one time years ago and it was a tapestry being woven. It was like a live and it was being woven. And it was in this huge, huge, huge mountain of a church basically is what it looked like. It was built, it was built into a mountain that I was walking into. And I saw this giant tapestry being woven almost by itself. And it was painting this huge picture. And I had an understanding that each weave was like a person's life, like a story of their life. And when you took a step back, you could see the entire picture of what God was doing. And so everybody has that. Every person has that. They contribute there is a part of God inside of you, Krista, inside of you who are watching that I wouldn't know unless I knew you. And I think that's something that is flies in the face of a lot of the messaging in our day and age, in our culture. God created you with intention and he created you on purpose and he put a piece of himself inside of you that was meant to be expressed a certain way. And it's an honor to him to learn what that is to walk that out and to share that with other people. That's so good. And, you know, that actually ties in um, to encounter that I had. I asked the Lord, you know, why, Jesus, why didn't they give a physical description of you um, except for your crucifixion? You know, like that's the only time. And you, you actually see it prophesied in Isaiah about how they ripped his beard out and, you know, all of that. They made him unrecognizable as a man. But why? why do we not get to 
hear about what you look like, mm-hmm. you know, in the New Testament, but you talk about David was, was ruddy and handsome, mm-hmm. you know, um, and he very clearly said, because I meant for you to see me in all of my people. Wow. And to know that there is a, a Christ in us that desires yeah. to get out for the world to see. Mm-hmm. You know, I remember when um, I first got saved, um, I had a real passion for the lost. And so Todd White became one of my heroes. And I remember just thinking, like, if I met Jesus, like, I I know that he would be like that. Like, mm-hmm. Jesus ha- would have to be like that. And it was because Todd was living very powerfully in his identity as a son of God in in a fivefold office as an evangelist, you know? And so I can see Jesus as an evangelist in Todd, in Todd Mm, White. That's cool. Um, But then I see uh, Jesus as the prophet in somebody like Emma Stark, Mm. you know? Like I hear her prophesy and like, she just gets me fired up and I'm like, ah, you know, like, yes. And, and it, and it stirs something in me and it invokes like this, this wild hope, you know? Um, and so like, I see the prophet Jesus in her and then like, uh, other people where I'm like the confrontation anointing is so powerful on them. And that's, you know, I can see the apostle Jesus, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. you know, that rebuked the Pharisees and said, you're like, you know, the sons of your father, you know, you're yeah. like, yeah, Satan's you're your like, dad, you know oh, what I mean? Like fighting words. Yeah. Right. Yes. Um, And then I see, uh, I, I have a lot of really amazing shepherds in my life, but um, the sweetness of, of Jesus as a pastor that you know, is, is the friend. I have a friend, uh, Danae, she's always texting me and like, how's your heart? You know, like you're just on my heart today and, mm. and how are you doing? And she wants to counsel me and comfort me. And, and, um, they're not afraid to sit with you while you cry and while you're messy. And and that's the shepherding heart of God. You know, Jesus, he's the shepherd and he, he leads us into green pastures and he, um, makes us to sit by still waters and he what restores our soul. Right. Um, and so all five are needed. And Mm -hmm. I think that if we are, um, neglecting gleaning from all of the fivefold, um, then we are really missing out on seeing who Jesus is in his fullness. Yeah. You know, and so that's really my right now in this season. It's like get uh, ask the Lord to start highlighting fivefold leaders to you, so that you can become mature. Hmm. Um, and and actually, and asking people who are already leaders in the body of Christ to um, be healed of their own wounds, um, and to really own the office that they are called to walk in. And if they don't know what that is, begin to inquire of the Lord. Mm -hmm. What am I, you know, like, am I a pastor? Am I an apostle? Now, not everyone is a fivefold, um, you know, office grace and and that's fine. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, there is a whole nother level of warfare. Yeah, I'm sure. You know, that, 
if you were not graced to walk in it, then do not ask for it um, because you won't be able to handle it. Uh, but that doesn't mean that you are not just as significant um, and just as important in the kingdom. You know, um, we all have our spheres of influence and we're all called to be leaders in some capacity. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, so getting into the word, it was actually on November 14th that, um, I went into this vision. That's actually the first day of Keslev. I didn't even realize that that was the first of the Hebrew month of Keslev, which is, the, it's the season of lights in the darkness is, is what the season is. Wow. That's uh, fitting. Yeah, very fitting. And, um, it also is the season of miracles, um, and the and the oil, the anointing, um, continuing to flow because this is the month of Hanukkah. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, and it is the season of rest before the release, um, hmm. before the new season. So, uh, but I was actually in my basement and I was moving furniture, mm-hmm. um, like big heavy furniture, and <laughs> that I probably shouldn't have been moving by myself. <laughs> I just you know, got hyper fixated on an ADHD assignment and like, sort of <laughs> around in my basement. Just I've had moments morning. like that so yeah. many times. And then I stop like a million times through the project and I'm like, why did I start doing this? Don't I have better things to do? But you can't stop. You've got yeah. to watch it. So I'm moving stuff around and um, like out of nowhere, I hear the spirit of the Lord say, I am releasing my ironclad oxen. Mm. And I went into this vision where I saw like teams of oxen and they were adorned in this like shining armor. It was beautiful. Mm. Um, and it was gold, gold armor, but it had the strength of steel and their horns were actually dripping with golden oil. And uh, they were standing on the edge of this like battlefield and they were actually bucking at, at hard ground. Hmm. And as they were like bucking and their hooves were hitting the ground, they were striking the ground and the sound was going out and the ground that was hard became soft. Wow. And, uh, the battlefield, it was like this wild wasteland and it was overgrown with thorns and their, you know, breath was billowing out from their nostrils and they were looking over the horizon, imagining the future and dreaming with the Lord about the land's potential. Mm. Um, so they were, they were dreamers is another thing. The uncharted territory ahead seemed to call them, compelling them to let go of all they had known previously, while simultaneously drawing them into the unknown frontier. Hmm. They were undaunted at the prospect of having no physical path or navigation equipment to follow because the light of Jesus lifted up in their hearts, guided their way. Um, They carried an uncommon faith in the prophetic and written words of God given to them specifically for this moment in history and had learned in previous seasons how to make war with the prophecies concerning them. They were men and women of action carrying the Lord's burden to see cities, regions, nations, and generations restored. Wow. Actually, while I was just reading that, um, you know, the star, um, it it reminds me of uh, Daniel. I believe that we're in a season of Daniel 12, 3. Um, 
And that verse says that the righteous uh, are those who are wise lead many to righteousness and shine like the stars forevermore. And uh, Jesus said in Revelation that those who overcame would be given the bright and morning star. Wow. And so that is they would be given the fullness of who Jesus is um, and him being a manifest son of God. Um, and they would be given power to govern the nations with an iron rod. I believe that wow. that says too. And so these these are um, wise righteous individuals um you know the three wise men they they followed the star mm-hmm. to bethlehem to see the savior's birth right and so there are many right now and they might not even be in traditional mark or uh, ministry like yeah. pulpit ministry yeah but they are believers they're filled with the spirit of wisdom yeah they are leading many to righteousness, um, to be in right standing with God. And they are trusting and believing the Lord to guide them, not the opinions or the systems of man. I'm smiling because um, I've mentioned this on previous episodes before, but my other job when I'm not hosting is I work with Lauren and we do the editing for the prophetic words that come through on Elijah list and the things that you're saying, like even today I was editing two words for the new year where people were saying exactly that they were saying that the Lord was showing them that individuals who have been found faithful, like faithful people hidden, hidden in the sense that maybe they're not in active ministry right now, but the Lord has really tested them through the fire. Mm-hmm. that, and the exact phrasing, this is right reason why I was smiling. The exact phrasing of one of the words that I, I was reading was that they came out of the fire with ashes, but God turned those ashes to iron that they used as weapons to fight back like against the enemy. And um, so anyway, I was smiling because I'm like, wow, like God, go God. Like the way some of these things fit together is always amazing to me. Yeah, that's fast. I love it too, because this is another thing we're seeing right now is the synergy of the spirit speaking through multiple prophetic voices mm-hmm. and even multiple offices. Cause you know, we, the office grace is like, we can all prophesy really powerfully um, because we're relying on his voice, but to see even how God is, is overlapping in the offices and in, and, and in the prophetic his voice and using the same language. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's amazing. Um, It is. And, you know, iron uh, prophetically points to man. It it points to mankind and the strength of God on man. And Mm -hmm. so uh, be them being prepared through, through the stuff that they've gone through um, to be able to collide with humanity is really powerful. But I know that they were, like these oxen were clad in iron, but it, the iron was as tough as steel and it looked like gold. Yeah. And so that's speaking about the strength of God and it's speaking about the glory of God um, being on these individuals as well. And the oil would be like the anointing, right? Yeah. The anointing. Yeah. The, it's the anointing and, and the ability to, to push through uh, hard things, you know, oil softens and it conditions things. Um, and then there is a scripture, I think it's in Psalms where it says, um, you've anointed 
my horn like the unicorn, you know, um, like the horn of a what? unicorn. Yeah. yeah, but it, it really is um, speaking about horns represent authority too. And yeah. so yes. um, I, I believe that these individuals, they carry power and they carry authority in their spheres um, to take regions. Um, and the anointing is really going to be on a, on a new level on uh, their authority to move in power, mm -hmm. uh, to push through uh, and to, to take blows that, that other people cannot so that um, others can come up behind them. Right. Wow. Um, so Going on, the Lord has been preparing this new breed of wild apostolic oxen who are marked by grit and grace. And that word grit there, I actually had to look it up because um, I just think of like sandpaper, you know, mm -hmm. and but when you look it up, it actually means courage and resolve or strength of character. Wow. Um, and grace. So until now, they've been hidden ones in a process with the Lord as he has crushed them under the pressure of his lordship through spiritual combat and relational conflicts. This has not been punishment, but establishment necessary for them to be conformed to the character of Christ, that they may be trusted with the power and authority required for their massive mission. They have learned to submit to God's will, God's way, and God's voice yoking themselves to his strength in the wilderness. Because of this, they are now ready to carry the weight of his glory in the open places and the marketplaces. So this rare breed grow, grow bored with monotony, but they thrive in the midst of adversity. They actually need hard work, pioneering, adventure, and opposition to plow through. Hmm. Forward momentum is their only option. These are they who have forsaken their own lives to instead lay hold of the plow, never looking back, for their gaze is fixed ahead on Christ and his call. Their heart burns to see God's kingdom come and will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So they are spiritual architects entrusted with heavenly blueprints for this era. Um, and then the Lord showed me this assignment of the enemy to get believers, uh, people within the family of faith to misunderstand and misinterpret this new breed of groundbreakers mm -hmm. and atmosphere shifters. These apostles are being gifted with eyes to see outside of the traditional boxes and structures that much of the Western church has been trapped in. They plow, build and plant from the glory not from the opinions, suggestions, or suggestions of man. And they will be subject to much slander, accusation, and misunderstanding from the religious spirit for stepping out into uncharted territory. So um, this is really interesting. The Lord actually showed me that some of these, these places where these individuals are going to begin to occupy um, are going to be in like the fringe culture hmm. and uh, they're going to be, Jeff would love this. They are going to be extremely creative and eccentric individuals um, that are rubbed the wrong way when um, the religious spirit tries to hinder God's creative flow um, from coming out of the church. Hmm. 
Um, they are also people that are able to see with a prophetic lens uh, what God is saying through a person's creativity, even when that person does not know Jesus yet. Wow. I'm like already thinking of a handful of people that I know or have been around who have this kind of at least anointing to, to mm-hmm. do that kind of stuff. That's cool. Yeah. And see, here's the thing is that for a very long time, because of persecution and misunderstanding, those people have been quiet Mm -hmm. because they don't want to be falsely accused. Um, And there's been a lot of religious witchcraft in regards to those individuals. And um, they've guys, even like the church really needs to repent because many of these creative see God, whenever God is releasing a revival and a reformation movement, he will release a renaissance of arts mm-hmm. and, and, and culture. And it is because he is revealing his creative nature to do new things in humanity there's an explosion of innovation. There's an explosion of industry. There's an explosion of new technology. And there is always going to be an explosion in music and new sounds and in arts and create creativity and entertainment. Mm. And so that is, is what is really important to know is that God wants to occupy all of those places. But if believers aren't in those spaces, no contact equals no impact. Yeah. You know, so to many conservatives, much of what these apostles are going to embark on and the demographic of individuals they're going to be called to minister to will be extremely offensive. Um, Conservatives are going to be offended. Hmm. Um, But the religious spirit will try and make them appear to be compromised or accuse them of being compromised by worldly things, yet Mm -hmm. make no mistake, they are a class of holy ones marked and set apart for a time such as this. They are sent ones in the world as undercover agents on assignment to overthrow demonic thrones, cut down idol altars, and destroy evil systems, but are absolutely not of the world. Their ministry model is like Jesus who dined with sinners yet did not sin, instead leading many to righteousness with uncompromising faith. And so I really do ask the Lord to begin to uh, convict the church now um, and give us eyes to see these these ones that he is sending out into these offensive demographics not because they are compromised, but because they are called. Yeah. yeah. Um, it, it makes me think of when Jesus took his Jewish followers to the gates of hell in Caesarea Philippi. That was a shrine of demonic worship. Yeah. Um, and literally they were doing human sacrifice mm-hmm. and uh, terrible, perverted bestiality, open fertility rituals that I'm not going to get into, but it was, it was nasty. And these Jews were never allowed to even go into an, a, a, a Gentile's home because it would make them unclean. And so Jesus took these Jewish followers to the epicenter of uncleanness and asked them, who do you say I am? Yeah. 
Yeah. You know what I've I mean? Heard, I've heard some scholars talking about that very moment saying basically Jesus, even in that sec, that moment, Jesus was sending what was called a shot across the bow to the, to those demonic principalities that had taken over that area. And he was revealed as the Christ in that area. And it was a literal place called the gates of hell. And so Literally. when he said to, to Peter, the gates of hell will not prevail, he's like pointing to the gates of hell will not prevail. And a lot yeah. of people don't know that. I didn't know that when I learned that. I thought that was fantastic. Yeah, I actually got to go there in 2020. Wow. Um, and I stood on the gates of hell on the portico where Jesus would have stood with his disciples. Wow. And they would, uh, it's this huge, um, like open artesian, it was like an artesian spring, you know, that like um, bubbled up on its own. And it, what's interesting is that it is the at the base of Mount Hermon. Yeah. And so Mount Hermon is the the one that we all know that the psalm it says that how lovely it is when brothers dwell together in unity it's like the dew on the base of mount hermon yeah. or like the uh, anointing on the head of aaron that drips down his yeah. beard and onto his robe and it says and this is where god will command the blessing and then jesus makes this statement about his ecclesia his governing body or his called out his sent apostles into regions that the gates of hell would not prevail mm -hmm. against his governing force of sent ones when they meet in unity in wow. the unclean spaces of culture. Well, and to add to that, Mount, um, Mount Heron was also believed in those cultures to be the place where God met with man. Mm. Like that was another belief system that they had was that that was where they believed, um, yeah, that the divine touched the earth. And so that's why, and I believe if I remember correctly, that spring that you were talking about that they called it the Absu or the abyss or something. Mm -hmm. And that's where they believed it. Like that's where the God of the underworld came up from. Yeah. Yeah. And they would, when they sacrificed their children, they would throw them into that place. Yeah. Um, so that the God of the underworld could receive their sacrifice. And, yeah. and, and so, and Jesus, he stepped on that and he, he was, it was a shot over the bow saying, I will be the last human sacrifice. I will be the last blood sacrifice ever needed to atone for sin. And when I do that, they are going to begin to, to siege your gates and you will not overtake them. And so, but <sighs> There, the, again, this religious escapist mindset, um, you know, we're to be in the world, but not of the world. Mm -hmm. And instead, we have seen a, a mass exodus because people are afraid when really we're supposed to be influencing. Um, and so yeah. we need to get back to that. And we need to ask the Lord, you know, who are these ones that you are anointing in this hour to go into the gates of hell, to go occupy um, culture. And, and then you see Paul. Paul literally would go into regions and he would study their culture and he would quote their poets. Mm -hmm. He would quote the work on, you know, on their art, on their, their yeah. sculptures and things. Mm -hmm. And he would use the wisdom of God um, to speak to the culture 
and release the gospel of the kingdom, not just of salvation, but of the kingdom Mm -hmm. with a demonstration of power. And, and, and so really God is not trying to, to get us to conform to one Westernized church culture. Okay. He wants many tribes, many nations who all have their own culture. Yeah. He gave them to worship him Mm -hmm. and to be one with him. Yeah. And so uh, that's been a big thing in our Native American missions is, you know, asking the Lord to give us wisdom to be able to minister the truth and, and the gospel of the kingdom and then also allow them to have their culture. Right. Mm-hmm. Or even in Amish communities, like um, right. my, my spiritual father is uh, an ex Amish and one of the things that the Lord told him was don't try to change their culture, change their understanding of grace. Yeah. Right. Well, and wouldn't that fit too with Paul talking about um, not offending people's consciences? You know, some people, they they have a belief system so ingrained in them and there's a sincere devotion that they have and offending their conscience is more about protecting that sincere the sincerity of their heart, not necessarily pushing them into something too soon mm-hmm. that maybe God is working out with them and will work out with them. And so, um, so I think that that's something to really to consider also in revelation chapter 22, I believe it's 22 where Jesus talks or it talks about the river coming out of the new Jerusalem and that there's trees that are planted whose leaves will be for the healing of the nations, plural right. nations. So I think that is evidence to what you're saying, that there will still be nations. Nations, exactly. And people groups that have different cultures. That's what nations means. That's what that's the word translated in most instances in scripture. It's talking about people groups with their own culture that are their culture has come under the kingdom of heaven. Um, And and that's the variety that, that the Lord wants. I mean, he knew that was going to happen when he scattered their languages at Babel. Yeah. You know? Um, yeah. So that's a big thing. And I think that we've, we've really got off track with trying to people to conform to Western church culture rather than conform to the image of Christ. That's really what, what God is after. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what we should be after too. Yeah. So um, with that, you know, um, whenever this is going on, there's always going to be an assignment of um, Sam yeah. Ballot and Tobias. So I yes. um, love them. Yeah. So going on in the word, it just says, despite, despite the smear campaigns launched against them in a similar fashion as Nehemiah, mm-hmm. who was harassed by Tobias and Sam Ballot, these apostolic builders will not be moved nor distracted from their assignment. Instead of the demonic chatter, Um, Instead, the demonic chatter will be an indicator that they are, in fact, in the center of God's will, spurring them to build on with even greater fervor to complete the mission. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's been my experience that God often does not take the path of least resistance in my own life. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. So whenever you come up against, like, you know that you've got a word from the Lord, you know, and you're building something. Yeah. 
there's always going to be something back here trying to get your attention mm-hmm. to distract you from completing the mission. Don't guys don't. Let well, and do even to the point of uh, San Ballet and Tobias, the, the thing I think is really important to even mention about that is the discernment that Nehemiah had when they were trying to deceive him and pull him away, you know, when they would try to entrap him, they would send notes and they'd be like, Oh, you need to come right away. And he'd be like, Nope, that's a trap. I'm not going. I need to stay doing this. I think that speaks to having discernment too, knowing like, nope, this is just a, this is just a distraction. This is just a trap from the enemy. Don't listen. Help Elijah Fire continue to make an impact around the world. All donations go toward making Elijah Fire and the Elijah Fire podcast possible. Visit ElijahFire.com slash give and become a partner today. Mm-hmm. You know, don't take the bait. Yeah. And, and it comes like, it, it's been my experience that oftentimes it might not look like even uh, people that are not connected to us doing this, right? Mm-hmm. Um, like Tobias and Sam Ballot. Um, it was interesting though, because I think, weren't they Jews? I think they were Jews in they, the story. I believe that they were appointed officials, but I'm not sure that they were Jews. They were from the conquering, the previous conquering um, lands. They were like right. officials that were part of the Persian empire, but I don't know that they were actually Jews. P- somebody who knows better than I could correct me. Um, yeah, correct me too. But I think what I'm getting with that is I felt like the Lord was just saying that, you know, the, the attack, the, the attack of the enemy always comes through, um, the weakest link. Right. And so this could be, what is the thing that like, you know, family, let's talk about family. Um, you know, a lot of times when I'm doing something, I will get, a text message from a a particular individual in my family. And it's like, the house is burning down. It's an emergency. You have to come, you know, rescue me like right now type thing, you know, because they're not mature in the Lord. And um, every single time that happens, I'm like, oh, this is a distraction. I mean, I will literally be getting up to go preach (laughs) or I will be boarding a plane to go and, you know, minister somewhere. Um, or I'll be in the middle of something where I'm releasing the word of the Lord and never fails. And so I I've seen times where people may not be aware of that and they actually feed into it. Mm-hmm. And it's important in that moment that instead of feeding into it, that you're actually taking authority over it in the realm of the spirit. Yeah. Um, and releasing peace over the situation. And it, it never ceases to amaze me how when I do that, there is like immediate um, solution to whatever is going on is released. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And so just just be aware of the authority you guys have, you know, yeah, um, and don't don't take the bait. So I really feel like the Holy Spirit is downloading this new era um, wineskin blueprints to these new breed of apostolic oxen. And in the days ahead, we're going to see them build strange and unusual structures never before seen in church history. Mm -hmm. These structures will be a new technology for the ecclesia to not only be given jurisdiction to disciple and govern regions and nations, but also to reach the harvest. So many souls that will never set foot in a Western church building are actually hanging in the balance of these apostles saying yes and and, and accomplishing their assignment. Wow. Um, 
this just came to me in the spirit, um, so I'm going to release it, is that uh, many people hearing this word right now, you may not be one of these apostolic oxen, but you may be um, an individual who owns hay. Uh, you may be an individual who um, knows how to sharpen uh, armaments. You may be an ind individual that uh, owns a barn or a stable that this apostolic oxen can rest in for the night. And so um, everybody is needed and God would not give a national word, or actually I believe that this is a global um, seasonal word, um, an era word for the body of Christ right now. So it's, it's far reaching. He would not give this uh, only to apostles. He's giving this to the body of Christ at large because he's actually inviting all of those who are not apostolic to partner with what he is doing in these individuals yeah. so that the fullness of what he wants to bring into this new era is built yeah. um, for the next generation, guys. And so this is a really historic thing. And uh, I felt like the Lord was just saying some of you might might not be an ox, but what you might be is somebody who can provide um you know, food or provision or necessary items to the apostolic work. Um, maybe you are administrative and you can come alongside the apostolic to help them uh, plot and plan out the the blueprints that they are trying to, to build and to establish. Um, maybe you are a shepherd, you know, and you are called to help encourage and build up and comfort the ox that is hit, getting hit with massive warfare on the front lines, you know, and, and they need a safe place to have their soul cared for, you yeah. know, so all of us play a role. And so even if you don't feel that you are an apostolic ox, I, I really pray uh, right now that the Lord would begin to reveal to you what your gifts are yeah. that can contribute to this apostolic work that is, is getting ready to be released. Yeah. Um, the Lord, actually, I just heard the word advisors to the apostolic. Um, I feel like the Lord, whoo, I feel like the Lord is saying that he's, he's, there are some people even listening right now that, um, you are called to be advisors, um, to the apostolic because a lot of these individuals, they are, they're millennials and mm. many of them have not done uh, the or been in the traditional uh, Western church organization model of things, right? Or they 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 are literally building brand new structures, like they've never been this way before. And so, some of you are going to be called to just come alongside in relationship and say, "Hey, you know." Um, I know no one's ever been this way before, but, you know, I actually have done this sort of thing here and maybe I could help you and I could give you some, some, uh, strategic advice, or I could point yeah. you in the direction of a resource that might help you that I've heard of that maybe could help solve this, 
uh, issue for you. And that is going to be really powerful. And um, I know that I have a few of those in my life. And I am ever so grateful that God has already figured things out for me in some areas. Um, So don't feel like you have nothing to contribute. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, So really this next part of the word is more like a teaching moment. Um, And and that is to really help differentiate between the office of the apostle and the office of the pastor. Um, I have gone into churches to minister and I have felt the bitterness in the church body because of a judgmental and a critical spirit coming against the apostle of the house, because the apostle has been forced to wear the shepherd's garb when Mm -hmm. they do not fit in the mantle of a shepherd. They are an apostle. And because their behavior is not that of a shepherd, uh, the church has judged them. Mm -hmm. And it releases a a curse over the church Um, and dishonor is is sown among the brethren and uh, movements and 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 bodies that were meant to to grow and to advance and to be impacting culture actually start dwindling away. Yeah. And um it's it's hard for everybody. Um and then the the apostle of the house, they actually want to quit. They want to give up. They're extremely um uh wore out and they're tired because every time they get a word from the Lord and they begin to start moving forward to build and establish the word that God gave them. There's opposition from the house because they're like, no, you're a pastor. So this is what you're supposed to do. And this is how you're supposed to behave. But they weren't ever a pastor. Yeah. They were always an apostle. Yeah. And um, so that's what this part of the word is, is, is just to kind of help us. Um, Great. Yeah. So also I see my, my friend Papa Jim in the comments and uh, Jim, the Lord uh, has given us this word recently that he is putting the boom back in boomers. (laughs) The boom is is being put back in the boomers. And so I want to encourage all the boomers on here. Like you are about to see some explosion in things. And I actually feel like many of the boomers, you are being called to be the catalytic the catalytic um, relationship to many of these apostolic movements being ignited because of the uh, because of the experience that you have. Yeah. And so I want to encourage the boomers that are, you know, carrying, you know, what in the spirit. Oh, wow. That's crazy. You know, the, the boomer, you guys are actually the moms and dads yeah. of the millennials. Yeah. And I, yeah. j- the Lord just showed me that, that you guys are, are the ones that have carried many of these apostles in your wombs, you know? Um, and so even now you might not have realized it, but, but you are, you, 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 you have been carrying the needed, um, experience and, yeah. and, uh, and, and counsel and wisdom that many of these mo- millennial apostles are going to need to move forward. 
Um, and so that's very powerful. Oh, wow. Well, thank you, Lord. So we just yeah. thank you, God. And for the the Gen Xers too. I actually like, uh, as soon as I saw that, I said, uh, I saw X marks the spot. And um, I feel like the Lord is saying that there is a treasure in the Gen Xers in this. Yeah. Um, and that God does not forget or miss a generation. He will not. No. And um, I actually hear a, a sound coming out of Gen X. Um, the Lord is uh, reminding me of, um, what was it, Nirvana <laughs> and, um, and uh, Kurt Cobain. And, and the, the same way that Kurt Cobain released the sound of, of, of suicide and death over, yeah. over your generation, there is a sound that is coming out of Gen X that is going to be, ooh, that is going to call the treasure out of the generation uh, alpha and the generation Zs and uh, even the millennials to break the spirit of suicide off of them, to break the spirit of depression off of them. Wow. Um, the Lord has found the treasure or has exposed the treasure that is hidden in the clay vessels of the Gen X. And the Gen X are now going to be treasure hunters to call out the prophetic destiny in, in the younger generations. And uh, I hear the Lord say there is a wave of hope that is going to sweep over the, the younger generations. And it is going to be the sound and the song coming from the mothers and the fathers of the Gen X generation. Wow. Wow. Woo, thank wow. you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Yeah. Thank you, Father, for that. Bless the Lord. Yeah, God, we just say, get them, Daddy. Yes. Pull that out of them. And, and it, it's going to be a natural thing. It, it's not going to be something that's going to be hard or, or laborious. Um, I, I even feel that as I'm speaking this, that there is a, a prophetic uh, grace for encouragement and for comfort coming on um, the Gen Xers that are hearing me right now. And, and you are just going to have this supernatural love. And, uh, and I see you complimenting people everywhere you go. Um, and it's going to, it's going to impart value to them as you, as you tell them what you see in them. Uh, thank you, Lord. Wow. I just heard the term latchkey kids. Um, Gen X, you were the original latchkey kids. You were the first generation that had to come home and parent yourselves. And the Lord is saying um, for many of you in Gen X who, who, who had to suffer uh, divorces um, in between your parents and you were left exposed at home to raise yourself. Um, and many of you Gen Xers who... Uh, you you uh, struggled with poverty, and so both of your parents had to go to work, and you were left home alone. and And there were many things that should not have happened to you, uh, because you should have had somebody there over overseeing you. The Lord is saying, "I'm actually gracing you in this hour to become the spiritual uh, parents and watchmen over a younger generation, that they will not have to suffer and endure." the things that you suffered and endured through. And in that, I am going to restore the broken places in your own heart and in your own life. Wow. Mm -hmm. I actually see many of you Gen Xers are becoming grandparents. 
um, you're like new grandparents and, and I see you caring for your grandchildren and I see the trajectory of your grandchildren's lives going in an entirely different wow. direction Amen. Uh, because of this. And, and I hear the Lord say, I am releasing um, a double portion blessing in the area of brokenness. Wow. And um, wow. wow. And uh, whoo, thank you, Father. Yeah. And I am restoring the years that the locusts devoured. Thank yeah. you, God. In Jesus' name. Wow. That's good. Thank you, Lord. That's good. So off that prophetic wave. <laughs> so good. That's good. So um there has been a lot of confusion around the office of the shepherd and the office of apostle. And yeah. So the functions are really different and it's important for us to know that. And so yeah. When a region is hard, the Lord sends in the anointing of the, the wild apostolic ox in partnership with the prophet to plow, break down, uproot, um, and, and to tear down the old to give way to the new. Where the local pastor sees congregational needs, the apostle sees, sees the needs of nations. Mm. Shepherds are moved to compassion to meet the needs of individuals while apostles are moved to build what is necessary to meet the needs of cities and nations. Okay. Yeah. Um, shepherds. I missed my place in the thing here. Shepherd. The shepherd's goal is to cultivate an atmosphere of love um, and, and uh, giving us a safe place to heal from the past where yeah. everyone belongs in the family of God. So, so shepherds are specifically anointed to cultivate yeah. family connection in the body of Christ, which is super important. We absolutely Very. have to have that. Yeah. We are a family, mm -hmm. um, but the apostles goal is to shift the spiritual climate over regions to the atmosphere of heaven where God's government brings order righteousness, prosperity, and justice. Yeah. Yeah. Where pastors seek to disciple individuals and congregations to produce the fruit of the spirit, apostles seek to disciple cities and nations, equipping and sending out individuals in mass yeah. to multiply that fruit coupled by the gifts of the spirit to integrate and demonstrate kingdom values in the individual's sphere of influence. Mm -hmm. So, so that's very different. That means pastors, I want you to produce the fruit of Jesus's character in your, your own walk. Then mm -hmm. apostles are like, how do we get that fruit? And how do we multiply that to feed a nation? Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, um, Yeah, so shepherds cultivate kingdom culture in congregations, resulting yeah. in families conforming to the culture of heaven, while apostles inspire believers um, to cultivate kingdom culture in every area of society, resulting in cities conforming to the culture of heaven. Yeah. 
So apostles organize and prepare a supernatural army for cultural conquest created for kingdom purpose with a God-given destiny that demands their attention and their action. While shepherds function as supernatural medics, nurses, and physicians, healing the brokenhearted, binding up wounded warriors, and teaching them in the process how to lovingly care for others who are lost and who are hurting. Yeah. Um, and, and so that's the difference. So apostles, yeah. when you're around an apostle, it's almost like uh, what your mom does when you're late for the doctor, you know, you get that fire lit under your butt, like, yeah. we're running late. Yeah. You know, it's like this sense of urgency, like get up, get a, be about it. Don't just talk about it. Be about it. Right. Yeah. While shepherds, on the other hand, are, oh, just lay down and rest. Let's receive this from the Lord. (laughs) You need to make sure your heart is healed so that you can go out there and you can love the unlovable. You know, let me, oh, I see your heart is broken there. Well, that is hindering intimacy with the Lord and with the ones that you love. So let's get that healed. Let's get it out so that you can, you can be healthy in your spiritual man and, and be able to care for others that are hurting. See, now all of that is so important. Right. Yeah, absolutely. It's necessary. It's necessary. And, and apostles need shepherds and shepherds need apostles. Right. You know, so uh, because apostles hurt and they need their hearts healed from wounds too. Mm-hmm. Um, so we have to be careful not to force apostles to wear the shepherd's garb. Um, I have experienced this myself. And actually, it's funny because the last season I went through was a real season of character purification and wound healing um, and me allowing the Lord to shepherd me so that I could shepherd uh, my my congregation, my people, my family. Um, and as I've gone through that process, I actually had an encounter where a, a well-known prophet called me out, even though they didn't know who I was. And they said, um, called me into the office of the apostolic prophet and said, it's time for you to remove the shepherd's garb. Wow. Um, and when that happened, it was like, all of a sudden I remembered every, everything that I am. I am very confrontational. I'm very, uh, loud. I am very, Hey, let's, let's do this thing. I I don't have time for, you know, petty stuff, get over yourself. Like let's be, let's build God's kingdom type Mm -hmm. of thing. Buckle up buttercup. That's like, you know, my whole thing. And, um, but I had forgot that when God had allowed me to walk in this season of him shepherding me so that I could shepherd those around me. And so I even feel that that there is this shift happening for lots of us that are already leaders where um, maybe we've been operating in one thing, but God is actually saying, hey, now I'm releasing an anointing. I'm anointing your your horn with oil Mm -hmm. um, to move in a new thing, a new mantle yeah, or the mantle that we were always called to walk in. Yeah. so again, just reiterating, we need both, um, along with the rest of the fivefold working in tandem, um, yeah. to really bring us into this place of maturity. Yeah. Um, 
And then this I want to say, so when there is only a shepherd's anointing and operation, the sheep become fat and comfortable in their pews while their city is overran by the enemy, you know, which may seem well until the enemy starts picking off the young and feeble among them who wander too close to the edge of the grazing grounds. Yeah. The job of the apostle is that of a military general, a spiritual architect, and a kingdom builder. They remind lambs that they are lions. They inspire them to action. They equip them with the right spiritual weapons and building materials, then send them out with a mandate to rebuild the ancient ruins and repair desolations of generations. When the anointing of the, of the apostle works with the shepherd, believers are spiritually fed fit and equipped to transform the world around them. Mm -hmm. And so that's really what we mean. Um, And, and so one, the fivefold ministry offices, there is, there's often a call directly from the Lord where you have a very supernatural encounter with the Lord, where he comes to you and he says, this is who I say you are. And then, and, and why is that? Why does Jesus come to the fivefold offices in that way? Well, because the fivefold offices are an expression of who he is, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So there's often a, a walk up encounter with Jesus and in many um, stories that I've been told, and that's not all the time, but the majority of the time it is. And then you will also have that calling affirmed by another well-known established, um, right. fivefold office. Right. And, um, it's not a, a ranking system. It is a, it is a grace <laughs> and a calling, um, system, you know, mm-hmm. and it is, we are all needed. It's just like, we're all one body, right. Mm-hmm. That have mm-hmm. many different parts I mean, if you have a kidney, although the kidney is not out there in the forefront, right? It's a hidden thing. But if your kidney is messed up, it is going to mess up every other function of your body. Yeah, it's a vital organ. It's a vital organ. If you are missing a pinky, it is going to impact the way that you live your life even though it is one of the smallest members of the body. Yeah. Right. What are even the pinky toe? That's one that we don't see a whole lot, but you know, if you lose one of your toes, it affects your balance for the yeah. rest of your life. Yeah. Right. So that is really important for us to understand is just because our role might look different does not mean that we are not all needed and necessary and vital um, to, to the body of Christ and to, to the world that we've been called, uh, to impact. Mm -hmm. And so I, I feel like, you know, just right now, the Lord, um, I just pray right now, I feel like God wants to, to release an anointing for Godfidence. (laughs) I love that. Not, not confidence, but Godfidence. Yeah. It's good where we know that we're really nothing without God and that what God says about us is enough. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And that if we don't choose to believe what God says about us, then we're going to believe what everybody else says about us. Right. Um, and in some cases, actually, I just feel the Lord saying, you know, repent, change the way you think um, and and renounce the the lies that you have believed about yourself. Um, I just heard specifically uh, wherever you have said, I am not enough, I am not worthy, or I'm not important. Um, the Lord really wants to deal with those. And if that's you, I want you to put something in the comments right now, you know, just put up a hand in the comments and say, that's me. I've heard that I am not worthy. I've heard that I'm not important and that I'm not enough. Mm -hmm. Cause the Lord is going to begin to touch you right now. Yeah. And, and he is going to begin to pour his confidence into you. Yeah. I, there's people responding to this and, and yeah. So Lord, I just thank you right now for yeah. those that are being brave and bold to respond to this. Yeah. And, um, and, and guys, I want to tell you right now, look, this is the, this is the glorious scandal of the gospel is that you are not worthy None of us are. We have all fallen short of the glory and the of God. Yeah. All have sinned and fall, fallen short. And so we, on all horizontal levels, are not worthy. Yeah. Yet God in his goodness and in his love and his compassion says that we are. We are heaven's treasure. Mm -hmm. <laughs> And, and that has to be enough, guys. That has to be enough. Yeah. And so God, God says you are worthy. You are worthy because I decided that you would be worthy. Mm -hmm. And nobody, nobody's opinion can change that. It's a decision that he has made up. He's made up his mind. He says, it's, the Bible says that the, the giftings and the callings of God are irrevocable and without repentance. That means that when God created you in the spark of his divine imagination, and he looked out at the expanse of all time and all creation in our world and in the world to come, he could not imagine the world in it without you. And when he was forming you before you were formed in your mother's womb, he knew you, he planned for you, and he decided that he was going to give you gifts and he was going to give you a calling and that he was never going to change his mind to yeah. take away those gifts or take away that calling. Right. Irrevocable and without repentance, he will never change his mind. And, and that was before you decided to have a relationship with him, yep. to offer yourself as a living sacrifice, to give those gifts and that calling back to him for his glory. Like what you're hearing? Help us continue to make Elijah Fire and the Elijah Fire podcast possible. To get behind this ministry, visit ElijahFire.com slash give. Now, back to the show. Yeah. Okay. That's how valuable you are. God yep. will never change his mind about you, but you need to change your mind about yourself. Amen. 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 Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And so, Lord, right now, in the name of Jesus, I thank you yes, Lord. that you are beginning 
to rearrange the way that we see ourselves and the way that we think of ourselves. God, I thank you that even now you are awakening those under the sound of my voice to, to be able to see the good plans that you had for them before they were woven into existence in their mother's womb. Yes. God, that you are going to begin to show them the giftings that you gave them and that you're going to speak to them strategically about the call of God that is on their life that is going to lead them into their area of societal mm -hmm. influence. And God, I pray right now for an anointing for them to know that they are strategically important exactly where they have been placed. Yeah. And that if they are not there being who you created them to be, then the world is being robbed of a treasure that heaven yeah. placed in it. Yep. My God, that there are there are individuals and lives that can only be touched, can only be reached by them that they are a strategic mm -hmm. thread in the tapestry of yeah. God's kingdom. Yeah. Wow. And, and just like ladies, you know, we will not put on a, a pair of pantyhose that got a runner in it, right? <laughs> we throw no, we away shirts that don't have, you know, that have gotten a thread ripped out. Yeah. That is what it looks like when you remove yourself. Yeah. That is what it looks like when you remove yourself. Do not remove yourself, but be mm -hmm. woven together in love's tapestry. Wow. My word. Oh, thank you, Lord. You are important. He has decided that you are worthy. And I'm not enough, guys. We're not enough. Yeah. With him, all things are possible, but aside from him, we can do nothing. And God will never call you to do something that is going to exclude him from the equation. <laughs> For sure. The only reason, the only, he, he came so that he could be one with you. Yeah. He was ripped apart on the cross so he would never have to be tore away from those that he loves ever again. Heaven is open. He has invaded you. You are one with him. Mm -hmm. It is not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. So you don't rely on your strength. You rely on his strength. You don't rely on your wisdom. You rely on his wisdom. You don't rely on your bank account. You rely on the storehouse of heaven. Yeah. He is sufficient and he has everything that you need and he will not abandon you as you begin to trust him and step out into the things that he called you into. Thank you, Lord. And so I even just hear the Lord saying, for some of you, I want you to make this a mantra. That it is a word over your life that you hold on to. Lord, you have said that I am worthy. Despite my feelings, you say that I'm worthy. God, apart from you, I can do nothing. So I'm not capable. I'm not qualified. Does not matter. You qualify the called. I'm qualified because of your spirit, not because of my intelligence, my education, Mm -hmm. no, not because of my experience. 
I am qualified because you called me and I said, yes. Yep. And I am important. In fact, God, if I do not step into what you created me for, then there are lives that and, and destinies that are going to hang in the balance. Wow. Thank you, Father. The Lord, that's very serious, guys, that there are lives and destinies that hang in the balance of you saying yes. Yeah. And that's why there's been such a warfare on your identity. Yeah. Can I interject something really quick? Yeah, absolutely. Ephesians chapter two, verse 10 says, you are God's masterpiece that he created you anew in Christ Jesus so that you could do the good works that he planned for you long ago. And the fantastic thing I love about that verse is the word masterpiece is the Greek word poema. Mm -hmm. And it's where we get the word poem. And think of that. You are God's poem. You are a story he is telling through your life to the rest of the world. Mm -hmm. You are. And when you think of it like that, he did it on purpose. The things, he wastes nothing. So he doesn't make any mistakes. And like Krista was saying, he, he's, he, his gifts are without repentance. So whatever you've walked through, just like she was saying, your life is part of the love tapestry. It's going to be used as the poem that God is telling the rest of the world through your life. So I just wanted to encourage you with that. That's Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. That's so good. And while you were talking, I heard his story or my story for his glory. Yeah. My story for his glory. And so I even just asked that the Lord would begin to, to highlight to you guys, what is the story over your lives? Yeah. Because the story of your life is, is really the mandate of your life. Mm-hmm. You know, mine, mine absolutely is, is love and God's justice being released because of his love. And, um, or I should say God's justice released in the areas of injustice because of his great love. Mm -hmm. And, and so that's what I want you guys to think about is God, what is my life story? What is the overarching theme of our relationship and my story? Mm -hmm. Um, Because that's your mandate. And, and God is, will often call you, um, to be a voice, uh, in the lives of others who, who need or are walking through your story, you know, before the glory entered. Yeah. Yeah. So thank you, Father. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's even an anointing for writing on on this broadcast too. So if you've been thinking about writing a book, um, and I actually just heard the word testimonies, like a book of testimonies, Mm -hmm. um, that you should do that. And, and I almost see it like journal entries. Um, but it's going to, it's going to encourage a lot of people. Yeah. Thank you, father. Thank you, father. (laughs) Yeah. She's me. Awesome. Come on. Hey, it can be more than one, you know, thank you, Jesus. All right, guys. Well, I feel like you know, we hit the mark. Do you have anything else? No, I didn't, but I just, I'm sure on behalf of everybody, just want to thank you for coming on and sharing that. It just, it really stirred my spirit. It really, um, I know that it's, 
done the same for other people. And one person did ask, so I'm going to ask, where did she was reading from something she put together today? She was reading off of that. And is that something God revealed to you, the differences between the shepherd and the apostle? Is that something? Yes. And you can actually, you can, you can look all throughout the New Testament and, and it really is like, look at Jesus and the character of Jesus in the New Testament and in the gospel accounts. You know, we see Jesus uh, shepherding or pastoring his friends, right? Like he, John, the beloved, the one whom rested his head on the chest of Jesus. And then you see Jesus, the evangelist, right? Yeah. Going out of his way to meet the woman at the well and, and have an encounter with her. Then you see Jesus, the apostle who was the government rests on his shoulders. Mm -hmm. And even when he taught the disciples how to pray, he said, Oh, father who art in heaven, your kingdom come, yeah. your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You also see the, the confrontation of Jesus in the character of the apostle as he confronted the Pharisees and the religious. Yeah. You can see that overarching theme in the life of Paul, right? Um, and then you can also see the, the, the other, the teacher, you know, and, and all of those are listed and they're talked about in the New Testament. And um, yeah. so now how did I get all of this here? Um, that I am a, a Nobby prophet and I am a seer. So what happens is I will see a vision and while I'm seeing the vision, I will receive the word of the Lord uh, through uh, being a wordsmith. Like God will give me the words that go with the vision that I'm seeing. Um, and, and it is to paint a picture for the body of Christ, because if you can see it, then you can walk in it. Yeah. So that's how I got all of that by the Lord, not by me. Thank you so much. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us today. I know that was such a wonderful um, teaching that we all received. And um, I will be back tomorrow. I will be hosting Rebecca Friedlander. So she's got a great message for you tomorrow. Thank you again for being here. Have a wonderful. Oh, rest I was going to say, sorry. Yeah. I have two events coming up that oh, I, yeah, really I was going to ask you. Go ahead. Yeah. Okay. So um, I'm going to be in Flint, Michigan um, at the Hub with Matt Jones this Sunday night. So it, I, if you go to my website, chrisdillish.com, go to the events tab, you can see how uh, all the information for that. I believe it's a free event. But then uh, afterwards, I have our annual holly jolly christmas party and um it is so much fun it's literally like my favorite event of the whole year uh, that's on my website too we're hosting that in cincinnati and uh we have this thing that we do it's so much fun it's a prophetic christmas present gift exchange oh. and it is i mean like it's amazing like the people you know what God does by handing out these gifts and then speaking into people's lives is awesome. We're also going to be, it's going to be like a fundraiser night too. So we're going to have raffles. Um, we're going to have refreshments. Um, we're going to have some really awesome giveaways. We're going to have an ugly sweater contest, which that should be hilarious. I can <laughs> only imagine what people are going to wear. Um, so make sure that you sign up for that. There is a, a small cost to cover uh, the, the cost of the venue, but all of that is on 
my uh, my website as well. So I just wanted to share that because it's my favorite and I would love for you guys oh, to be fun. with us for that. Fun, fun, fun. All right. Well, check it out, guys. Christoelisha.com is where you can get that information. Thank you again. We will see you tomorrow. Bye. This has been Elijah Fire. Thanks for listening. For more episodes like this, you can check out the Elijah Fire podcast on ElijahFire.com, on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can watch us live every weekday at 2 p.m. Pacific time on YouTube, Rumble, Twitch, and Facebook. Elijah Fire is presented by Elijah Streams and is part of Elijah List Ministries. Go to ElijahFire.com slash give for more info on how you can donate today. Today.